Welcome to The Do Zone, where real entrepreneurs share real strategies about getting things done. I'm your host, Josh Thomas. Tag me at JT Literally and show me what you do in The Do Zone. Every week, I'll pick the best post to feature across all my social networks. This podcast is brought to you by Factor One. If you are a six-figure entrepreneur who's looking to hit seven this year, there are three key shifts you need to make right now in order for it to be possible. Go to IamFactor1.com now and i'll show you exactly what those three key shifts are and how you can get them set up for your business in less than six minutes once again that's i am factor1.com today's guest is richard flingy he is the former co-host of evtv electric vehicle television and he is the author of verities of an electric mule richard welcome to the do zone tell us something you believe is the key to getting stuff done that most people wouldn't think of well, uh, when it comes to business, I would say the key is learning fast and listening to your customers. And uh, uh, over the years, uh, I would tell you that if you're driving yourself as an entrepreneur, you can get tunnel vision and you continue to plow ahead because in your mind, you think that is the uh, most successful route to go. And I will tell you from experience that uh, many things that I've done that led to success was when I had an open enough mind to listen to customers. So if you are trying to build a business, uh, you definitely want to have a learning mind and a good connection to your paying customers, to the people who actually purchase the product or shopping the product. Uh, really tune in to them and listen to them. And a lot of times they'll feed you uh, the critical answers that you need to get your business over the top. So it's, I'm good. A, yeah. it's good. It's good that you differentiated because the customers who don't pay us, we don't have to listen to them. <laughs> exactly. And they, uh, uh, there's a big difference. And once you become an entrepreneur and you're focused on, you know, getting revenue and getting, getting uh, money in your bank account, uh, you darn sure want to listen to the people that are giving you that. So makes a lot of sense to me. And so I'm curious, uh, what are verities and what is an electric mule? Verities is truths. Ah, so, well, I, I, so it's the truth of an electric mule. And the mule is sort of this quintessential, uh, I call it the Harley Davidson of farm animals. It has this, Nostalgic feel. Uh, it's a very lovable animal, especially in the farm and the rural atmosphere. And I sort of play that off because I really see the electric car as becoming kind of the electric mule of the world, sort of a, a beloved uh, vehicle that you feed electricity. And uh, so the book really ties in a whole lot of uh, stuff just really around electric vehicles. So I try to tell the truth the best I can. Yeah, you got it. And so uh, as far as uh, I'm, I'm curious to learn a little bit more about, you know, your, your source of knowledge here. So I actually just purchased a hybrid. It's not exactly an electric vehicle, Close. but it's kind of on the way. Uh, yeah, it and uh, it's my first ever hybrid. And the, the, the immediate thing that I noticed when I purchased this car is the engine, the motor, the response, totally different than mm -hmm. a gas powered engine. I actually drove the same 
the same uh, make and model as a hybrid and as a non-hybrid side by side. And when I got in the gas powered car, I was disappointed. Yeah. And uh, the, the full electric experience uh, is very similar to that. They are, uh, uh, the weight is much lower center of gravity. It's much closer to the ground and acceleration and torque are at a completely different ratio than what people are used to in a uh, gasoline power car. But now I worked with a company that converted gasoline vehicles, primarily Volkswagens, and put electric drives in them. And mm. so I got a sort of a hands-on experience. And then the other breakthrough in that scenario is the lithium battery. So it is a coming change in the world. It's a disruption in the marketplace. And some of the points in my book, in many ways, I'm trying to bridge that gap between the world that is just stuck on gasoline and, and the world of electric vehicles. So that's really one of my missions. And so I'm curious, uh, kind of relating this, because this is a business podcast for entrepreneurs. You know, we got mm -hmm. a guy talking about electric cars like, hey, well, all right, how does that? I'm interested in electric cars, but I'm curious the business case for this, uh, because we have been stuck uh, for centuries on gasoline, fossil fuels, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of resistance against going off of it lobbyists and there's huge money mega money and oil and taxes and all these other taxes there's all kinds of reasons to stay uh on the the gas powered uh engine and so what do you see as a business case for switching from gas to electric what is the thing that's going to ultimately flip the script and have us going more towards electric than gas well in the book i would describe it as when it becomes pragmatic, when the vehicle technology is, is advanced far enough and it becomes a very low cost to produce and purchase vehicle. So once they get down the learning curve and the, the vehicles get on scale, they, they use quite a bit fewer parts. So when it becomes uh, a combination of much higher energy efficiency. So you're getting the equivalent of 125 miles per gallon. And number two, it's a very low cost car to own and operate. I think when the pragmatic part of it comes in place, I think it's really going to flip the entire business scenario. Everybody is going to rush to it. It makes sense. And, and I'm curious, uh, since since you're here and you probably know more about electric cars than anybody else I've ever met in my life. <laughs> so yeah. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, you know, one of the uh, one of the strongest arguments against electric uh, motors and electric vehicles right now is you are swapping out fossil fuels of petroleum for the fossil fuels mm -hmm. of coal mm -hmm. that needs to be burned in order to generate the electricity. And so yeah. I'm wondering if you have any comments on that. Yeah, that is, uh, I would not say that's really accurate. We have the technology to produce renewable energy. And actually, Texas has a huge geographical zone that is ideal for solar collectors. Now, the issue with renewable energies, wind farms or solar, is that the energy is produced not necessarily as close to the populations are where the energy is consumed. 
And now we have, well, Tesla, which builds the, the mega packs or builds these large batteries. We have the ability to store renewable electricity where it's produced in battery packs, and now we can transport it. So if I would say the big part of the equation people aren't seeing is the portable battery, and probably in the future, the answer is going to be portable battery trains. So you could, just like you set coal on a train, which they transport from Wyoming to Tennessee every day, if you, instead of putting coal on a train, just put batteries full of electricity. Hmm. So the, the answer is here. It's just not articulated very well by a lot of people. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that if the answer is there uh, and it makes sense, why, why do you think the, the adoption is not there yet? I 100, I would say 90% believe it is tax revenue associated with gasoline. They are absolutely, uh, I have been behind closed doors with elected officials and they are uh, terrified. Gasoline tax, the fuel taxes are a, a tremendous revenue source for a lot of government entities. So mm -hmm. there is a resistance and it's really based on tax revenue at this point. So Yeah, you know, and, and I, I think you could probably chase down any any decision that's made about anything comes down to who's who's making money on it you're right and that's that's what you have to overcome now the, the second part of the scenario is we do run some risk uh and you hear some of this and i i, I can tell you you run some risk as a civilization from what's coming out of tailpipes exhaust pipes hmm. that uh, uh the particulate matter the the heat the carbon our atmosphere is finite, and uh, if we continue to pump out uh, toxins and, 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 and particulates and heat and gas into our atmosphere, you know, you're already seeing some of the effects of it. So sure. uh, we, have, we have a twofold motivation here. Yeah, and, and I, think, I think you really nailed it as far as what needs to, uh, what needs to happen in order for that switch to, to occur. And then just to clarify for those that are listening, this is this is not a political podcast by no, any means. No, so, no, 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 <laughs> this no, is no. not talk radio or anything it's like not, that. But, no. but since we're talking about it, the, the business case for this, it really has to do with money. It has uh -huh. it comes down to money. The conversation that I was having um, just a couple of weeks ago, I purchased this car and it has this uh, kind of like a driver assist uh, and yeah. you push you push a button and it will maintain the lane for you. And yeah. you turn on the cruise control and it will adapt to whatever mm -hmm. car is in front of you to maintain a certain distance. So it's not exactly auto drive, but it's very close. Uh, assisted anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, the driver assist, if you will. Mm -hmm. And uh, the question was asked to me, like, do you think that that would become standard? And uh, for those of you who have seen the movie iRobot that came out 20 yeah. years ago, they were fantasizing that in 2034, uh, which is only nine years away, uh, yeah. that we would all be in cars that it is mandatory that you put it on auto drive. Yeah. And and I was thinking about like, walk with me through this, Richard, uh, because what would have to happen in order for the government to require you to be on auto drive? And You know, 
it would have to have a tremendous political um takeover <laughs> you'd yeah. have to kill all the libertarians i suppose <laughs> i would not i would not go along with that now right. the, the but the, but that's but that's the thing they know they can't take you down but here's here's what they could do though insurance companies could give you yeah. a huge discount if you turn on auto drive voluntarily yeah. Yeah. And then eventually they'll be able to lobby the government and say, this is a necessary thing because yeah. seatbelts didn't used to be required. Yeah. And somebody lobbied the government and said, you should make this a law. People have to wear seatbelts. And, some, and somebody said, yes. And so the insurance companies, they go and say, we need to protect our margins and our bottom lines. Robots drive better than humans. You need to make this a requirement. And we got a lot of money. And it all goes with the money, right? You know, boy, you hit me with a left hook right there, buddy. <laughs> that is a out of the world question. Uh, I never, I actually have never pondered that fully through, but it is a distinct possibility. Now, I do remember, which I'm a little bit older, but I remember when the first GPS monitors came out and like truck drivers were being monitored by their employer. And finding out that they stopped or they went home or they went off route. And I remember the grousing uh, back in the day, 20 or 30 years ago. And I assume that you will now have every single movement that you make in an automobile tracked. I, you know, I still have, uh, I still have a, a, a libertarian spine anyhow, but I don't know that <laughs> I want anybody just completely knowing everywhere I go and when my car's driving and when it's on right. and when it's off. So it's only a matter of time, but, and, and the, the, it's, it's, the, the conversation though, is like, what's the percentage right now of electric cars on the road? The percentage of cars that are fully electric. Oh, uh, it's very small under 2% for sure. Under 2%. Um, for so, sure. Yeah. Oh. I mean, we haven't even, and everybody knows Tesla. There's another company called, I think Lucent. Uh, Lucid. Lucid. Yeah. Lucid. Yeah. Uh, that's coming out with a competitor to Tesla. And uh, most of the major uh, manufacturers of uh, cars, Kia, yeah. Chevrolet, yeah. Honda, they all have all electric vehicles, yep. but it's less than 2% of the market. And so it really is going to take a huge effort to really penetrate this. You're, you're right. Now, the thing is, is that the, the world leadership, whether you talk about UN or the major automakers or the stock market, They've all made the decision that it's going to go electric, so they're way ahead of of the 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 public on this issue. And and the, the, there's two reasons: one, fossil fuels is finite and leads to a lot of problems politically. People uh, have uh, gone to war over oil, and then number two, uh, uh, the pollution aspect of it. If we continue on the trajectory that we are going, which is about 1.2 billion automobiles, if we don't stop that machinery of producing more and more tailpipes, in 30 years, we're going to have two and a half or three billion cars. And they pump out toxic fumes and particulate and, and hydrocarbon gas that goes up into the atmosphere. So that's where you're going to park. Yeah. Well, it's going to be all in like, yeah, it's going to be other places. And they all want cars, by the way. Yeah. You're right. So, 
Awesome. Uh, so, uh, Richard, tell us where, where we can go to learn more about what you I, do and how we can connect with you. I have a complete media site, richardflengy.com, R-I-C-H-A-R-D-F-L-E-N-T-G-E. I keep a lot of blogs. Uh, I've written several books and uh, I do it. I'm retired and I just do it for uh, my giving back to the community and to the planet. And I tell them what I know and go from there. So awesome. Richardflingy.com. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's where you can, that's where you can learn more about the verities of an electric mule. Exactly. And I sell the book. It's 1495. I don't, it's just a, it's a good handbook though. It does covers electric vehicles as well as climate change stuff. Excellent. Well, we're going to wrap up from here. Thanks so much to our guest, Richard Flingy, for joining us and sharing some wisdom about how he gets stuff done and about electric cars and what's coming in the future. You can learn more and connect with him by going to his website, richardflingy.com, and that's F-L-E-N-T-G-E, richardflingy.com. If you listen to us on your morning commute or during your workout or somewhere out in the field, be sure to snap a selfie and tag me at JT Literally. Tell me what you do in the do zone. Also, if you're ready to break the seven-figure barrier with your business, but you know what got you here, ain't going to get you there, we can help. Go to imfactor1.com now and let's see how much impact we can make in less than six minutes. Know this, you are factor one for your own success. Now let's get to work. If you're a small business doing at least six figures and you're trying to level up, but you keep getting smacked down, pay attention. There are outside forces at play that you're almost certainly not aware of. No, I'm not talking about the president, the economy, the Federal Reserve, or inflation. I'm also not talking about your industry, your competition, or current market conditions. I'm talking about you. There are invisible forces that are keeping you from breaking through to the next barrier in your business. That's why you keep repeating the same cycle year after year. You think next time will be different, but what you don't realize is that you're running through a huge maze and your opponent has every turn memorized because your opponent built the maze. Until you get your hands on a map and come up with a plan of attack and execute it, you're just going to keep running circles over and over and you'll lose every time. You'll never find the exit without a plan. The good news is your opponent is predictable. Your opponent follows the rules. You can beat your opponent because you don't have to follow the rules. You see, you have free will. Your opponent is restricted to the rules of the game, but you can make your own rules. You just got to have a plan. And in order to get a plan, you first have to take responsibility for putting yourself in that maze without a map to begin with. Because you are factor one for your own success. Your opponent is your comfort zone. If you're ready to stop running circles in the same circuit year after year and finally break free from the maze, join factor one. We are a unique development program for six-figure entrepreneurs. We'll airdrop into your exact location of the maze with a paper and pen, and we'll help you draw a clean map to the exit using our bird's eye view. We'll also arm you with the tools you need to defend yourself properly, and we'll walk with you shoulder to shoulder to make sure you get out safely this time. We don't leave anybody behind that doesn't want to be left there. Join us. Go to imfactor1.com right now, and let's talk about getting you out of that maze once and for all.